This is Financial Detox, helping you retire with confidence. Featuring Jason Labrum, certified financial planner and founder of IDA Wealth, intelligence-driven advisors. For over 20 years, Jason has shown people how to steer clear of toxic advice, achieve financial peace of mind, and manage their wealth for maximum impact. Join Jason and co-host Alex Klingensmith as they simplify the complex, share industry secrets, and provide proven strategies designed to take you from financial insecurity to financial independence. This is Financial Detox. Hello and welcome to Financial Detox. I'm Jason Labram, your host with my co-host, Alex Klingensmith in studio. Alex, how good? How good is it to be back in studio? That's good. This is cool. I told you before the show, I'm almost nervous. I feel like it's my first time again. Alex is nervous, everybody. So please be patient with us. (laughs) That's fun. It's been a couple months. It's been too long. We've just been too busy. And um, unfortunately, there was something that happened and market volatility as of late triggered this again. But there was one specific instance that I'm like, we're recording a show. And I freaked out. But there was a specific thing that just triggered me and also something that triggered you that I think when you add those two together, we're like, we just, it's time to do a show. Yeah. For our clients, we've done a couple of presentations or at least one here recently on market volatility and how to respond and how to act. I mean, the we're day dealing. after Russia invaded, you did that. Right. That was, that's why we skipped the last one because you're like, no, no, I got this. We got to do a live one. Yeah. Q&A live. It was really good. Yeah. This is real. This is real volatility, right? I mean, we've had these really short stints of volatility. It seems like this is going to be more extended. And so rightfully, people are concerned. But isn't it funny how the clock just continues to go around and around? I mean, every year, the average volatility, we'll talk about some stats in a minute, is the market moves from peak to trough of 14% on average. That means a lot of years, it's way more than 14%. But yet, every time there's volatility in the market, everybody acts as if Oh my gosh, this volatility is crazy. It's yeah. different this time. Yeah, it's always different, right? There's <laughs> always a different headline to it. Well, but... I mean, this year does feel different and it is different. And so you have to validate people's fears and their emotions yes, when it happens, we do. right? Yeah. That's what the show's about. I think we should, I think you should re-explain to those new listeners that have never heard the show or maybe the listeners that haven't heard us in remind them or months and or however many months it's been because <clears throat> our shows are all on the on the website and on yeah. the uh, podcast you can go back and jump around in time and, and hear us kind of say similar things years ago so mm-hmm. it sounds the same today but with new events right new events new, new headlines so what why did you start this show why did you write the book well financial detox was born out of kind of my frustration with just generally the information that is constantly disseminated to investors and by that, I mean you. I mean me. I mean people who have money invested in the markets. And even when we say markets, what do you mean by markets? Most people are referring to the Dow Jones or the S&P 500, but yet that's a very small segment of the overall markets, right? So we decided that we needed to help people become more financially detoxed, just like most of us need a health detox and we need to eat better and we need to work out and cleanse ourselves. You know, we really need to cleanse our perspectives around money and investing and how it works. And unfortunately, the tide is going against you and I, Alex. Most people generally think about investing incorrectly. Most people consistently make behavioral blunders over and over again, which destroys their long-term returns. Yeah. And yet they still continue to do it because they justify it based upon the fear and or the greed or the emotion that they're feeling at that time. And 
Unfortunately, it strips people of real, potentially multi-generational wealth because of the decisions they're, they're making and the behaviors they're exhibiting when it comes to money. Psychology. This is psychology. This, this, behavioral is not, this isn't even invest, investing. This is just, we're our own worst enemy. Totally behavioral finance, which is a, a new study. Oh, I did that. Um, I went down to San Diego State and I got to speak in a class with a professor who I love the guy. He's great. And I don't know if I'm allowed to say his name, so I won't. But a professor at San Diego State, he has a behavioral finance class at yeah. San Diego State. I want to take kids that are so smart. Yeah. They were great. These people are learning real things. We um, interviewed one. Yes. Actually, he just did his second interview yesterday and, and Jordy loved him. Oh, wow. Probably going to, I mean, we might hire him just right. because of what your, your time there, your, your, your event. It's so fun to see these, you know, to see that happening. And hopefully there's more of that in the future. And hopefully there's more educations for kids and about, you know, checking checkbooks, about stocks, about bonds, about managing money, about volatility, about things like this, because it truly making the wrong decision strips you of, depending on your net worth, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. So, so you said something that I think a lot of people say, a lot of advisors and, and smart people say, and then if I was listening and I was like, well, prove it. And then we'd say, well, hey, actually we have this amazing study that's been done year over year by a third-party research firm, right? The the Quabe. Oh yeah, right? Quabe. The Quantitative Analysis Behavior Report. Of investor Behavior. There yeah. you go. And this AI or whatever. But <laughs> But what a powerful study to be able to actually show real data of investors, because what you said has real tangible impact and you can measure it. Yes. So even the engineer clients of ours are like, well, I don't make bad decisions. I'm not that emotional. I'm like, well, but let me show you what, what happens if, yeah. when, if you just succumb to narrow framing or, you know, the market timing stuff or the other, yeah. there's like all these different behavioral tendencies that we so all like 15 or 20 commonly referred to named behavioral uh, mistakes that, yeah. that will cause you problems. And they are easy to do. It's, you're not stupid because you make those mistakes. You're just a human. We <laughs> all do those things. Right. Even us included. Yes. Yes. At least we have each other to check each other and say, hey, whoa, you're doing that thing where you're remembering only part of the story, remember? Yes. <laughs> like maybe we should uh, step back for a second and, and think yeah. before we make take action, right? True. So anyways, that's what the, the book was about. That's why we started the show. Why are we doing the show today? All right. So let's get to it. Financial detox, right? We're trying to help you make better investment decisions. We are an RIA. We, that's a registered investment advisory firm. We operate in a fiduciary capacity for our clients, serving all the their time. best interests all the time. Not some of the time, not flip our hat. Not sometimes we do broker-dealer business. Sometimes we do RIA business. So we're coming at this from a, a viewpoint of really even advisors who have broker dealers, it's not that they're trying to give bad advice by any means. But you know, we're coming at this from, a, I think, a pure behavioral finance. What are we dealing with? How are we doing things? So first of all, before I dive into that, Alex, I don't even remember our direct phone number, 888-707-88889. What was it? <laughs> that was too many numbers. That's too many numbers. 888. Is it 888-707-8889? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Or financialdetox.com, which is an even faster way to uh, hit an email. Yeah. And who knows we have, what's we have a on lot there of, the, the phones ring a lot now. We have a tax team. So, oh, man, that's okay. amazing. But there's now there's five or 600 more people calling us every day. Right, that's great. <laughs> Email's probably going to work faster. Financialdetox. Check us out, financialdetox.com, because we want to help you, right? And if you, if you hear something in the show that you're like, I want to talk to these guys. I want to, we, we've been doing this for a long time. Don't email I, while driving. Sorry. Don't email while driving. <laughs> um, people make fun of me and, and I've had 
several people say that's really stupid when I say the combined experience, like 350 years combined experience. I don't know why everybody doesn't like that saying. So how about we re-engineer that and say the average tenure of our industry experience, financial advice, helping clients, the average of our advisory team is something like 19 or 20 years experience. So even I have like 15. Yeah. And you're just a kid. I'm, yeah, I guess. It doesn't feel like that so much anymore, but yeah, yeah still on the younger end of the spectrum in terms of, of average advisors. advisor age, right? Yeah. Average advisors are pretty old, but, and that doesn't mean they're good. A lot of times it actually means they're probably bad, but here we go. Whoa, so, whoa, whoa. Maybe it just means that perhaps they aren't uh, pushing themselves to personally improve and be a student of the industry anymore, a student sure. of the business. And you get perhaps, comfortable. I think a lot of people. That's how everything every is. Industry okay. It's okay. Okay. So here's the deal, right? And I mean, no personal attack on this particular person, but I, I got to call him out, right? I'm going to call him out. And, and I listened to some CNBC and I listened to some Fox business and I was listening to you know, tuning in because, and I don't tune in a lot because it drives me nuts and it's bad information. Usually, usually I don't love the information that I get from them, but I did tune in the other day and it was Varney and company. And Varney is the, you know, the CNBC, the market update. Here's what's going on. And Mr. Varney, you know, I got to call you out. You literally are destroying investors' returns by giving the advice you're giving, historically speaking, and database. But, you know, I'm sitting there listening to the radio and he says, this is a, a host of a show, a financial show who's supposed to be delivering value to people or giving them news. And uh, he was giving news. Here's what the market's doing today, which you can get anywhere. But the other thing he would go on to say is, well, I'm in, I moved into cash and I'm holding off in cash. And what do you think we ought to do is he had all of his guests on. I'm going to hold in cash. And what do you think we ought to do? Should we just keep holding in cash and wait for that time? I'm waiting for the time to bounce. I'm in cash now. And, I, and, and as if he's presenting that there was that he made the perfect timing and he went to cash right at the top of the market, which I dare, I challenge you, Varney, show me your portfolio and when you went to cash, show me your portfolio and when you went to cash and how much of it's actually in cash. What you're doing and saying to the public when they're listening to you as a radio show host like that, that you somehow went to cash and you're going to get back in right at the bottom, it's, it's absolutely horrible advice and a horrible thing to say, because the fact is most people, the large majority, and probably all over some period of time who try to time the market and get in and out, make huge mistakes and they miss gigantic moves upwards. Most of the best days in the market come, a lot of the best days in the market come during a down, during the bear market. And if you miss like 15 of the best days, you know, your returns just get, get hammered. So the fact that people like Varney, and I challenge you to have me on your show and debate this, Varney, I'd love to be on your show because I think you need to pivot how you're portraying your show to people because you're hurting people. You are truly hurting people by giving them the idea that they should be sitting in cash because the market's volatile, waiting to get back in because the only time it's going to feel good and the only time they're going to want to get back in is when it's already recovered. So you're telling them to go to cash. They're going to sell at the bottom. They're going to wait till things get better until they have more clarity, which is when it's already recovered. And then they're going to buy back in at the top. You're destroying people's investments and you're destroying their potential for returns. So that was what triggered me. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. That story is funny because I hate watching the news of any kind because it never makes me feel informed or better about life. Um, I can read the news and I do because it removes some of the emotion. Right. Maybe, maybe I ha- maybe I realized a long time ago that I get too emotional about it and I'm like, I can't handle it. I don't want to. <laughs> but I think back to like our approach, like our client experience designed to first understand the person. Yes. Not just the personality and the emotions, but like their personal circumstances and situations. So if this yeah. guy, Varney, who I don't even know who that is, but if he was a if he was a potential client looking to hire one of our advisors or our firm, we would build him a customized, comprehensive financial plan, interactive with right. him there, with with a lot of data inputs, a little bit of back and forth, not not painful at all by any means. And then we would show him what it would be like, be like to be a client. Like here's the first wave of things we would do, right? And and, the, and that that obviously leads us to an investment strategy that's tailored to his specific or his family's specific goals and objectives, yep. and even his personality type. You mean we would build a plan around how we're going to invest and have it a philosophy? and a strategy yes. to investing. Yep. And it would never include market timing and right. it would never include even stock picking. But what it, w- what it could do for this guy, because maybe he's really successful, this guy, maybe because he's, he's hosting a, sh- a show on w- what channel, whatever. TM. Fox business. Yeah. Probably makes a good amount of money. Guy. I'm sure bucks he makes tons of money. Maybe he's got 10 or $20 million like in his liquid net worth. And, he's, and he also has 10 or $20 million in, in his personal real estate or right. whatever holdings. He doesn't need to be invested, really, actually, right. because he could just be in cash his whole life and probably never run out of money. Right. So his personal advice is meaningless to most of the people listening. Right. Maybe he's not, by the way. I don't know this guy. Yeah, so. we, we, we don't know Varney's personal financial situation. Don't pretend to. I can assume he's doing fairly well. He's had a show for a long time. And I like a lot of things about him, by the way. I, I do. But when you give advice, when you sit on your show, on your quote unquote high horse, and you act like you're so smart and you're sitting in cash because the market happens to go down. I dare bet you've been in cash for four years and you've missed all the market. I would bet that you, well, you've missed. I, you're, you're giving off the impression to listeners that you should be timing the market. And maybe that's how you sell ratings. And maybe that's how you keep people interested because you're selling panic and fear or fear and you're selling greed. But it's wrong. It's wrong. And that's why I started Financial Detox. Yeah. And that's why we wrote the book. And that's why we do this podcast is to help people understand that that information that Varney is giving you is bad information. And it is going to detract from your overall performance over time if you listen to him. So Varney, bring me on the show. Let's go. Let's debate I, it out, man. I, You're I, ruining people's investment I, experience and their returns by pretending that you know when show. to get in and out of the great. market. I would, I would watch bring that it show. Let's go. You know why I'd watch that show, though? Which is the kind of the point of it anyway. I'd watch it because it would be entertaining to me. Sure. And that's, I think that's probably what this guy's objective is anyways, is it's entertainment. It's not meant to be advice. Like no, the news is not supposed a, to give advice. The news is supposed to inform and honestly entertain, in my opinion. Otherwise, people wouldn't watch it. It's not, it's not interesting, right? Okay. It's got to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Our story, we kind of joke sometimes, like our story, the client experience is amazing. It's five star. But it's not like a... I mean, sometimes I, you know, we have a lot of clients and friends that do really interesting, exciting things for It's a little boring. I mean, compared to someone who runs like a parasailing company, for example, or dives with great white sharks or, or who's like developing the cure for cancer. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff. Right. So our, our story is not going to sound like Varney's because it's not as, you know, we're like, Hey, stay the course and be, and come back to your financial plan. But but you're being too nice. I mean, this guy's talking to investors about investing and what to do with the what to do with your money. He's literally talking about what to do with your money. And he's portraying that you should be in cash and then get back in when things are better, which means 
buy back in when things are higher. It's just horrible advice. It's a horrible way to, well, especially since most major stock market indexes or markets across the globe are down, what, 10, 15% yeah. as of today, year, yeah, to, year to date. Or some. So it's like you've already, lo- you're already down 15%. Lock that in. Like, right. Lose that. Go to cash. Inflation's really high. So go backwards even further because yeah. of inflation. Yeah. That sounds, if you were to, I mean, he can't really be saying that. He's yeah. saying that. He's literally saying, I'm in cash. Yeah, I'm in cash. And just that's what I'm doing is I'm waiting. I'm sorry, trying to use his voice. And I don't mean it in a mean what way. What kind of accent I, does he have? What is uh, that? He's doing? kind of got like an English accent or maybe he's, uh, some, he's got an accent. British, right? Maybe he's British or English. I don't know. And forgive my naive, naivety for not knowing. But, you know, he's a successful guy. But this happens all the time, right? This is happening on CNBC every day. It's Jim Cramer. It's all of them. I'll call them all out because they're they're <laughs> pretending to their listeners that they know something that the rest of the broad market doesn't know, that they're so smart, they're going to get in and get back. It doesn't work. So there should be a disclaimer on the bottom of their show that says what I'm saying and pretending like I'm the Jedi master of when to get in and out of the market is not true. This is all a show. You should have a long-term discipline and investment strategy, and you should put it to work and you should stick to it. Yeah. And pivot if you if your philosophy morphs and advances and change and becomes more developed. That's great. Yeah. But the fact that you're sitting there telling people, I'm in cash and I'm just, uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing is I'm just waiting for the entry point. Right. Uh, sure you are. And My, how long have you been in cash, Varney? Why don't you tell us that? Why don't you disclose your actual portfolio holding? Tell us how long you've been in cash. Tell us when you got in. Tell us the, what you did on the last bear market. Did you go to cash in March of, of 20 when COVID hit and the market was down? I bet you went to cash then too. And then it rebounded so fast. Did you miss all that? Tell the truth. Like if you're going to tell people what position you're in, why don't you tell us really and disclose what your true portfolio holdings are. And I bet your returns are worse than, than most people think. Yeah. My trigger. So my trigger story, which I will not go into detail on, but I will oh, just, yeah. I will just say <laughs> that, that I don't watch the media for any reason. I watch a lot of, we watch a lot of movies as a family, you know, That's great. cause it's pure entertainment. It's yeah. super entertaining. It doesn't mean I'm going to try and live my life according to the movie, <laughs> except for Ted Lasso. That's yeah, a show. I want to be Ted Lasso There's when I grow up. The real lessons there that I'm trying to use. So but, amazing. So funny. But anyway, so like then the rest of us that don't watch the financial news, those of us that there are out there, uh, there are, we are out there, but then you go and you like, you hang out with your friends or your family. And everyone's talking about this stuff right now because because the market's down. It is a time, by the way, we don't sell fear on this show, but if you don't know what you own or why you own it or don't have a financial plan or don't know what all that stuff I'm saying even means or you're kind of a little confused about that, you should get help yes. <laughs> because if the markets are down. Doesn't mean you should go to cash, but it means you should know why you're invested and how you're invested. And it means that when you're at when you're at a social event over the weekend or whatever, you shouldn't take advice from somebody that doesn't know your situation because they're right. just going to portray whatever. And they're probably not going to tell you like the, truth. the real bat, the, the stuff, whole the story they've made or whatever. They're just going to say, oh yeah, I went to, well, even Bitcoin isn't a good example. Whatever's done really well. I've only bought real estate the past right. three years. It's like, wow, it's, it's amazing. You're the only one. Like yeah. you have nothing else. Like, so just be real careful where you're getting advice and what causes you to take action. Because that was where I had one of those last week. And I was like, man, this is a personal setting. I don't want to go there. I'm not going to go there. I didn't go there because you know how it is. Like yeah. we're in this business and people know what we do for a living. And then I'm like, I just want to go and hang out and talk about kids and travel and family and yeah. fun stuff. You know? Not, not de- debate the markets, but sucking inflation and war and whatever's going on in the real world out there, which is real. It's real stuff. But. It is. Well, I had a client meeting yesterday and they in the meeting like eight times 
this client referred to what their friends have said and what their friends are doing. I mean, people were obviously all very influenced by our friends, but consider the source of advice, right? This particular client was talking about owning more gold and I need certain types of gold so I can carry it around and buy things with it oh, yeah. when Armageddon strikes. And I'm like, oh, so boy. let's talk about that, right? So you're gonna, you're, you've got a friend telling you to go buy small denominations of not only gold, but silver, so that those small denominations of silver can be used to go buy bread and stuff. Do you really, like, let's really paint the Armageddon picture. There's no banking. There's no financial system. You can't access cash. You can't, your credit cards aren't working. Debit cards aren't working. You need water more than anything. There's there's no, (laughs) yeah. These days in California. You really think your silver coins, you're going to just cruise to the store with your small denomination silver coins and just buy some bread and cruise right on home in your car that, by the way, you don't have any gas because there's no gas stations because they're not working. And then there's people with guns and ammunition. Yeah. And who and water. <laughs> You're going to need water, right? You're going to need food and water. But yeah. It's so ridiculous, but that's like the advice that this client was getting from their friends is go buy small denominations. So I showed what the price you actually pay for silver if you break it into really small denominations. Mm-hmm. And whatever the spot price is at that time, you're going to pay several percentage points above the spot price because you're paying for it to be shipped and handled and broken down into these small, cute little coins. So you pay ridiculous amount for the silver. And so you're buying silver for more than silver is actually worth yeah. in a time when a bunch of people, it's just like bad advice, right? That's not the common conversation for us though, right? Those, those kind of clients need us more than anybody because we are the rock in their storm and we're going to keep them from making those really bad mm-hmm. decisions. I think that people, if I was listening to this show and I was like, okay, I never heard these guys talk before. The market's down 10 to 20%, depending on what you own. Yep. Bonds are terrible. Inflation's real. Yep. Russia's scary. You know, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> what What is the actual advice or what can you at least tell me to comfort me if I have a well-diversified portfolio that has a smart way to rebalance through this and I have a financial plan, I have a great advisor. How can I check that against what I'm currently doing? And like, what, you know, what would you do differently, I guess? Well, I think you made a really good point, Alex, a second ago about when you're investing, you do need to know what you own and why you own it. Yeah. Like if you have no idea what your advisor's investment philosophy is, and I'm not here to dig on advisors because I love our industry and there's a lot of great, smart people in the industry. There's a lot of advisors who don't even have their own investment philosophy. They're just kind of buying whatever seems good that day, that week, that month, that year, that it changes all the time. So if you don't know your advisor's investment philosophy, or if you're a do-it-yourselfer and you don't have a defined written, like defined, here's how I invest. I buy individual stocks of great companies that I know, then I hold them for a long period of time, go Motley Fool style. Or I access factors, the you know, characteristics of securities that tend to perform better than the broad markets over long periods of time, whether that's value, whether that's momentum or low volatility or quality companies, whatever it is. You got to have a philosophy. You got to know what you're doing. Or even when the I time markets, at least you, you're owning it. <laughs> right. I, right. And good luck. But then have a financial plan, right? Meaning, why am I investing this money for what? Like a financial plan is not just like a bunch of numbers written down in a three ring binder because that's not what it's really about. It's, yeah. it's about what's the purpose? Yeah. Like, why am I investing? Why do I have money? What is the purpose to create wealth to pass on to heirs, to create a retirement income? Is it to, you know, you can go on a list. And of how much things. income for how long at what assumptions right. and 
So that's, that's a big project, actually. It's not a small no, it's, thing you it's can do. No, it's not. It takes time, and that's why we get paid, right? Most of the time, is well, as some professionals, of our favorite, some of our favorite clients have already done most of this work on their own, and they they had come to us with their versions of financial plans. And I'm like, you're going to be a great client because yeah. you're basically saying that I could do this myself. And I kind of have a decent philosophy, even some of them. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kind of agree yeah. with what you guys are doing. Yeah. I'm ready to now say, this isn't what I want to do with my my life. And I don't right. want to stress over like knowing what's going on all the time. Because I don't want to watch this guy on whatever show Barney. telling me crazy stuff. And it gets to me sometimes because then I go hear that guy and then I go to have a barbecue with somebody and one of my friends tells me the same thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're both saying the same thing. Like, right. I got to do that. You thing. flip the channel to CNBC and that guy's telling you to get all in or get all out or do this or that. And there's different sets of opinions on every... They, they, they purposely do that. They bring guests onto the financial shows that have totally contradictory so they can create that baby in a baby crib laying there on their back with the wheel spinning around. They can't stop looking at the wheel, right? They're trying to mesmerize you by conflicting information. So if I was Varney and I had you on my show, what would you say? You'd say, okay, I'm like, here's what I said, market time, go to cash. And you're like, no, here's what you should do instead. Yeah. Have a financial plan. I would understand what I own and I would understand what uh, volatility my portfolio is exposed to. Like right now, if you're surprised how your portfolio is behaving, that's not good. You should have known and expected it to behave like this at some point in the future. Cause we know volatility exists in our past. We know it exists in our future. You should build a portfolio that you understand the risks, AKA the volatility associated with that portfolio so that you are expecting it to happen at some point. You just don't know when, you don't know if it's going to last 18 months or 30 days. So I'm Varney still. Okay, so let's say that we get a pretty pretty good size of the population is in a 60-40. They're yep. like in a moderate investment strategy, not aggressive, not conservative, kind of middle of the road-ish. What kind of volatility would you say I should expect, assuming I don't do any market timing? Probably 20%, 20 to 25% in a worst case scenario, potential downturn from peak to trough. And what about best case? Well, the upside, potential upside, you may have a 20% positive year. You may have a 20% downside year. So up 20, down 20, that's a big range for me. Okay, let's I'm okay with all that. What's the point? Like, what is then the, I'm willing to accept that in exchange for what? An average annual return. You know, this is where it gets very interesting because you've got historic average annual returns. Do we assume that the markets are going to continue like they have historically or are they are the capital market assumptions, which we use at our firm, IDA, we look at what we think, generally speaking, from where we are today, how are equities going to perform going forward and bonds? We don't think that they'll probably have the same returns they had the last 20 years that they'll have the next 20 years. Well, why not though? I think we're in a place where you've gone to very low interest rates, valuations are relatively high. There's headwinds uh, demographically, baby boomers getting older, maybe spending a little less money on everything, but healthcare, there's a lot of demographic reasons. Uh, We also listen to BlackRock, JP Morgan, First Trust, a bunch of different companies that put out capital market assumptions and they have so does all, really, that, does all that just mean basically lower your expectations a little bit for 20 years? Yeah, I would probably lower my equity expectations. So in a 60-40 portfolio, you know, we'd love to see it probably a, a 6 to 7% average annual return. What maybe is that? even a 5 to 7% average annual return. But that's the key is like average annual return, right? Yeah. And there's no guarantee of even that. But that's why also we believe that you should start incorporating, if you haven't already, you, you 
do need to diversify your portfolio beyond a traditional 60-40. It's a whole nother show. We'll talk about alternative investments, private real estate, private debt, private equity, different investments that can, can shift the efficient frontier of your portfolio and potentially get you more returns for similar risk because you have non-correlated, non-efficient market mm-hmm. type of asset classes. You know, when we say efficient market, the stock and bond market is pretty efficient because it's publicly traded. All the information about those companies is public. When you go into the private universe and you think about multifamily apartments or you think about industrial, it's not an efficient market. The information is not readily exchanged across the internet about a private piece of real estate or about a private business. That information is private. Right. So the people who do the due diligence and the research can arbitrage, can find some opportunities there. And so private markets versus public markets is a very interesting topic, but that goes, goes a bit further. So back to your question is, you have a financial plan, you understand an investment philosophy that makes sense and is deeply rooted in historic evidence and data and proof. Yep. Why does this work? How do I know it's going to work? How do I have a high degree of confidence it's going to work? And then I understand the volatility that's associated with that, make sure it matches my financial plan, I'm comfortable with it, and I chill. I so, rebalance periodically, tax loss harvesting, rebalancing, tax sensitive asset location, those types of things. I think the part about volatility is actually the part that most people could really benefit from right now. I'm not Varney anymore, by the way. I'm not out of that mode for a okay, second. We changed. No more role I play. think expectations <laughs> are super important because you, you, so this is what we do, right? Jumping mm-hmm. to like the, how we, we talk about this with, with new clients, especially. We have to remind existing clients of this all the time. I hear all of our advisors kind of like, Oh my gosh, the market's down. What are you saying? I'm like, well, I'm saying the same thing that when they first interviewed us, I'm saying in a six, for example, in our, in our version of a six, which isn't even a 60, 40, actually, it, right. it's ish yeah. around that depending, but close enough. Worst case, you're down, like you said, 25. Best case, you're up 30. But that doesn't even, that matters because right now, if you're, if a six, an IDA six is down 12, let's say, right. ish, that's not even like half as bad as it could be bad as it has been going back 25 years so it's kind of like i told you so to the to those clients that forgot because they maybe they weren't paying attention or they didn't think i was being serious and i'm like no 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 i was totally serious like it's going to happen don't worry it's part of your plan we're expecting it not that we knew that interest rates not that we knew russia not that we knew any of that stuff right but we knew something eventually something was going to happen and we were going to have volatility we weren't just done with volatility no volatility is never going to go away there's always going to be a new face there's going to be a new war i'm looking at a slide here i hope that people like psychologically i hope that people appreciate that if your advisor is like hey we already talked about this and it's already part of the experience and the journey because then as an investor you're you can at least then go if you still want to watch these shows that you guys watch, I don't know how you guys do it, but you guys meaning like you, it's not just you, it's just a couple other advisors are from the Watch Financial News. I'm like, why? At least then you can watch it and be entertained again and be like, ah, I'm not worried about what he's saying. Well, matter. but I am worried about the, the general public yeah. and the effects it has on people's portfolios because we work so hard to pursue better, to help our clients build portfolios, to protect families, to protect the family's wealth, to help people create legacies. And they, you work your whole life, you save all this money, and then to make behavioral blunders and have it be, you know, buy at the highs and sell at the lows and what a lot of people do. I mean, the average return for investors in, in equity funds over the last 35 years is dismal. It's terrible. It's versus, less than half, right? Versus just the markets. Yeah. But so then when people say, okay, I'll just go buy some indexes at Schwab and be really cheap. But the problem is then when the market goes down, you sell those indexes. So it's not just <laughs> about owning the markets. It's not about indexing versus active or that. It's about having investment philosophy and sticking to it. So here's an interesting a data point too, looking at a history of bull and bear markets, right? Bull market is when we're on an 
We're going up and things are looking good. Bear markets is when the markets retrace basically like right percent. We're, we're touching bear markets and we're already in some bear markets. If you look back to 1942, so no small time frame, right? 80 we're going years. 80 years or so. There's the average bull market has lasted 4.5 years. So good times. Now they come with some blips in the middle, but generally speaking, the average bear market has lasted 4.4 years and the cumulative return during that four years is 154%. Ooh, I'm in. Right. I'm in. Phenomenal. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, the average bear market has lasted 11.3 months, less than 12 months. Less than a year. Less than a year and a cumulative loss of 32%. Ooh, I don't want Cumulative. That. I only want the other one. Right. The bull is no bear. Time it. <laughs> can you time exactly. that for me, please? <laughs> the problem is, even when you look at it on a chart here, you can see it out. You don't know when they're going to come. You don't know when they're going to start. You don't know how long they're going to last. Some of the bear markets lasted, you know, seven months. Some lasted, you know, four years. So, I mean, just it's varies. So what about all these people that say that they timed it right last time? And sometimes that's real. Sometimes people did guess relatively close to accurate. Well, last time. guess I would argue that if they say they timed it right, which God bless them, awesome, right? I've made some really great trades in my life too, right? And I can talk about those and act like I've never made bad trades, but that wouldn't wouldn't be fully disclosed. You don't only have to get it right on one side, right? So here's what happens: a lot of people say, "Well, I got out of the market in about 2000 and, uh, 2007 because I saw this was coming." Right? Okay, sure. Okay, you did. That's great. Awesome. When did you get back in? 2013, after it was already <laughs> back up to where it was, right? So if you if you get it right going out, yeah, you also now have to get it right coming back in, or the market may rebound higher than where you got out, and you missed the whole thing up anyway. More stressful to be out of the market than in it, right? It's as long more, as you're diversified yeah. properly and whatnot. I think it goes back so to think our purpose, about guessing our right. purpose as a company. Yeah, like what's our purpose as a, like we've defined this and redefined yeah. it every year, right? Yeah, help people create true financial peace of mind. So that same story that triggered me, I was like, is an easy response for me. I'm like, remember my purpose, our purpose as a company that we work all day, every day with all 25 of us, you know, to steward true financial peace of mind. Imagine if I was talking like market timing, like going to cash, like buying individual stocks, Bitcoin, whatever else. That's not financial peace of mind. It might be really fun, but ooh, that's, that's really emotional, like really stressful to do it that way. I think playing blackjack at Mandalay Bay outside in the summer, getting cocktails while you're playing. Now that's fun, gambling. To do this with your hard-earned life savings or to do this with your true wealth and your legacy, have a mad money account if you want, go to Vegas, but, but it is not fun. And it's not peace of mind. There, yeah. there's the way to do this. And when I say this, I mean invest yeah. the way to invest successfully is actually the way that creates the most peace of mind. The opposite of that is that you feel like you have to time it or you have to be smarter than, or you have to get in or you have to get out. That process takes away all the financial peace of mind and it actually hurts your returns. Yeah. You don't have to guess it and you don't have to know what's going on today versus tomorrow, when the market's going to go up, when it's, you don't have to know that to have a good outcome. And one other thing I wanted to hit on that you talked about, because we talked about volatility or we talked about risk, 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 you know, how much is my risk I'm down to? And I think it's really actually a bad way to verbalize it because if you have a properly diversified portfolio, I don't think risk is the right word. I think the right word is volatility. Right. 
Because risk is when I invest and there's a chance of me losing all of my money or risk is I don't have enough money to live. Right? You can define risk so many different ways, but I think it's improperly attached to what should be called market volatility. It's temporary. When our Just six, like your, your barren bull market. Yeah. It, does, it, it, it doesn't last. And when our sixth portfolio goes down 20%, if it ever does, it, we're not worried about risk. It's not going to go away. Why will it always come back? It'll come back. Well, that's, that's, it's an interesting, I love when I am able to draw this out, but A, because it always has. You draw a picture? I, I got to see this I draw picture. Great. But it's the funnel, good? right? It's the fun. Um, on, on whiteboard on Zoom? Yeah. What are we talking about here? What yeah, a whiteboard. Yeah, sure. So I drew it <laughs> yesterday, actually. So, you know, look, it always has. The reason why it has is because the market's like a funnel. And when I say the market, I mean stocks and bonds and all that. And in the top of the funnel is a big area. And innovation and technology and leaders and new companies and ideas and progression and, and growth is coming into the top of that funnel. And what's coming out of the bottom is dead stuff. The dead, the Kodaks, the WorldComs, the Enrons. Blockbuster, maybe. Um, you know, financial fraud that eventually gets uncovered. Bad ideas, blockbuster, like, come on, let's, let's reinvent ourselves. Whatever it was, the, the junk falls out the bottom. So all this new human, you know, we have population growth on the earth and human ingenuity and creativity and advancement and technology is going into the top of this funnel. And the public markets have been a phenomenal place for companies to access capital to continue their growth strategies. I would argue now, and this is back to our alternative conversation, a lot of those opportunities have shifted out of the public markets into the private markets through private equity because now there's so much money in private equity. And there's very intelligent people in the private equity universe that companies are tending to stay private longer, not tending, they are staying private longer because they can access capital for growth privately now and they don't have to go through all the public filings and all the administration and legal stuff of being a publicly traded company. So some of the returns, that's another reason why capital market expectations, I believe, are lower going forward is because returns are actually being taken out of the public markets and put into the private markets because companies can access money as a private companies now and continue to grow. And then they go public way later in the cycle, which is not great for public market investors, which is why you should consider alternatives in your portfolio too. But that's another call. Maybe we'll do that next show. Yeah. We should um, probably start to wrap it at this point, huh? I think we do got to wrap it up. So number one, Varney, bring me on your show. I challenge <laughs> you to stop telling people you're in cash and pretending you got into cash at just the right time and pretending that you're going to get out of cash at the right time because it's nonsense and you're hurting people by doing that on your show. You're really hurting people by leading them to believe that market timing is the right investment philosophy. It's wrong. It's not right. And it won't work. Don't do it. Don't listen to Varney. Varney, let's get it on. Uh, we'll have a debate yeah, I gotta and, watch that show. and we'll, we'll talk through it. Other than that, you are an entertaining guy and, and I like you, but bad advice, really bad advice. I think in general, right, financial detox and, and watch out for toxicity. Toxic financial advice is everywhere. It's in the media every single day. It's at your cocktail parties. It's at your dinner events. It's coming from your friends. It's coming from bad financial advisors. It's coming from so many different places. You got to get a plan. You got to stick to it. And that's what financial detox can help you do. So we invite you to give us a call at 888-707-8889 if you want help or check us out at financialdetox.com. We'll guide you through this. We'll help you create true financial peace of mind.
And your email address still works, Jason at financialdetox.com. It sure does. That's it, Jason at financialdetox.com. I hope this was helpful. I think the crux of the show was be careful to what you hear out there right now. Things are volatile. It's obviously nerve wracking for people. And you really need to dive into your financial plan and make sure that your investment philosophy is right. Because this will end. We will have great markets again. Volatility is a natural, normal part of investing. You should structure a portfolio that you're comfortable with the volatility because it doesn't have to be risk, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be risk. It can literally just be volatility and that's okay. So yeah, I hope that's helpful. I think that's it, Alex. I mean, let's wrap it up. And uh, for now, more to come. We're going to have some events yeah. coming up the rest, you know, later yeah. this year, and we'll we'll let you know about them. Okay, perfect. Thanks for checking in. It's Financial Detox. I'm Jason Labram, your host with Alex Klingen Smith, and we'll catch you on the next show. To learn more about Financial Detox and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and resources, visit financialdetox.com. Call Jason and the team at Intelligence Driven Advisors. If you're ready for financial detox and a better tomorrow, call 877-707-8889. Get answers to your questions. That's 877-707-8889. That's financialdetox.com for podcasts and information. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button. That way, you'll be notified about upcoming podcasts. You'll take one more step toward financial peace of mind. This content is provided for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any types of securities. Mr. Labram and intelligence-driven advisors are not responsible for the consequences of any decisions or actions taken as a result of information provided in this program and do not warrant or guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information provided. The information discussed today reflects the views of Mr. Labram and his guests as of the date of the show and are subject to change without notice. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Any forward-looking statements statements or forecasts are based on assumptions and actual results may vary from any such statements or forecasts. No reliance should be placed on any statements or forecasts when making an investment decision. Accordingly, listeners should not rely solely on information provided today in making any investment decisions. There is a risk of loss of investing in securities, including the risk of loss of principal. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will be profitable or suitable for particular investors, financial situation or risk tolerance. Asset allocation and portfolio diversification cannot assure or guarantee better performance and cannot eliminate the risk of investment losses.